today on Ag News Daily. The Indiana-Ohio region and even parts of Illinois dealt with a lot of prevent plant and a lot of moisture issues early in the season. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Delaney Howell here back in action on the Ag News Daily Podcast, joined by my co-host Mike Pearson. And Mike, yesterday I was trampsing around the fair, chasing around presidential candidate Mayor Pete Buttigieg. Mayor Pete Buttigieg. Way to get the name right. You certainly uh, brushed up on it Thank there you. while you were at the fair, Delaney. Yes. He said lots of people don't know how to pronounce his last name, so they just call him Mayor Pete, which I think is yep. easier. Mayor Pete, and, you know, I've got to give a special shout-out to Mayor Pete, as I believe the only 2020 presidential <laughs> contender to follow Ag News Daily on Twitter. Nice. Thanks, Mayor Pete. Yeah, hopefully he's tuning into the podcast as well. I know he presented a plan for rural America today. Mm-hmm. Delaney, were you uh, privy to any of that? No, he did release a little bit of it yesterday, but he is touring southeast Iowa over the next couple of days. He's really rolling out... Um, most of his plan for farm and rural policy. But one of the big things he did talk about a little bit yesterday and in the media gaggle yesterday was his proposal for a special visa program to repopulate rural communities with immigrants who agree to live there for at least three years in return for a green card to help fix the labor shortage issue that a lot of folks in agriculture do face. Interesting. Interesting proposal. Well, we'll have to uh, stay tuned. Yes, and I believe, crossing my fingers, but I believe I will be talking to former governor of Iowa and secretary of agriculture, Tom Vilsack, who's had his hand in a lot of these candidates. I think he's worked with a lot of candidates. He's had some events at his residence here in West Des Moines. So it's going to be interesting to talk to him about what he sees as these candidates, you know, who he thinks will be a viable option for rural America to vote for if they decide not to vote for President Trump. Interesting. All right. Well, yeah, and I know that uh, former Governor Bill Sack, former Sack, what do you refer to him as now? I think, Just, so um, it's I the suppose. highest, it's the highest title, so I think it would be Secretary. But we don't have hereditary titles. That that bothers me. Once you're done being president, then I you're know. just your name again. Once you're done being governor, you're just your name again. I, I don't think we ought to be calling them governors after they're done governoring. Well, we call presidents, presidents after they're done presidenting. But we need to stop that. It needs well, to just go back to being, you know, Mr. Clinton, Mr. Bush. This is this is a hill. All right, listeners, this is a hill I'm ready to die on. We're going to put a poll up on Twitter. Go to Ag News, at Ag News Daily on Twitter. We will ask somehow, what do you refer to former office holders as? Mm-hmm. The correct way, my yeah. way, which is just by their name and their, you know, Mr. or Ms., or do you continue to use their title? Good question. It's always been confusing to me, especially, like, for people like, Secretary Vilsack, who have had multiple titles. Which one do you exactly. refer to them as? Exactly. That's why I just call him Tom. Okay. Um, I don't. I call him Mr. Vilsack, yeah, actually, I know. because I am, I am obsequious. <laughs> um, let's see. I've got some news here. While we're talking about uh, whatever stuff that we're talking about, um, apropos of nothing, I suppose, China, it was announced earlier today, made no concessions to the U.S. after those uh, threatened tariffs were pulled back. So basically they were just pulled back at the behest of American companies who, who didn't want to see their price hikes heading into the holiday season. Um, and it's, we're kind of presenting it as an olive branch to China, but it definitely sounds from the administration that this was done mainly to keep companies here at home um, a little happier since it was such short notice from the October, August 1st announcement till the September 1st implementation mm-hmm. of those additional 10% tariffs. 
Yes. And a little bit of follow-up on that. Not sure if you talked about this yesterday on the podcast or not. I know you addressed the pushback on the tariffs now, the date pushback, I should say, but it does look like they are continuing the dialogue. Top trade officials have been talking on the phone, but neither side has committed to scheduling a meeting in person yet. But according to Robert Lighthizer or folks close to Robert Lighthizer, they said he spoke over the phone on Tuesday and are trying to schedule meetings in person again in about two weeks. Okay. All right. Well, hopefully they'll get something done. Hopefully. It's a lot of hopefullys lately with that. There is, and I think the answer is nothing will get done. That's that's where I, if I were a betting man, that's where I would lay my cash. You are a betting man. I am, and so if somebody's willing to take up the, the, <laughs> the other side of this bet, I will happily wager with them. If somebody thinks they're going to get something done in two weeks, give me a holler. Uh, find me on Twitter at Pearson Cattle, and uh, let's, uh, let's wager. Okay. Sports betting is legal now in most states, so I, this is kind of like a sport. Sure. You could bet on politics. When I was in D.C. a couple of weeks ago, there were tons of like poll places you could bet on whatever election you wanted to. Absolutely. So this is very similar. Yeah, I'd say so. Well, I've got uh, an interesting story here. Um, it is actually it's caused quite an uproar in India. Earlier today, an, a court in India acquitted six men of killing a 55-year-old dairy farmer saying there was a lack of evidence. Now, the reason I think this matters to our Ag News Daily listeners, of course, India is a predominantly Hindu country where in that faith cattle are sacred, but there is a fairly substantial Muslim minority, which does not believe that cows are sacred, and the Muslim minority is fairly active in the uh, both meat and dairy industries. And so in this particular instance, the, the Hindu crowd killed a 55-year-old Muslim dairy farmer uh, because he raises cattle. And they, they stopped his truck full of cattle, pulled him out and his sons, and basically beat them to death. And there were tons and tons of handheld video recordings, you know, cell phone recordings of this. And the court threw them all out and uh, said that without the, the videos, there was not enough evidence. And we're going to see this continue happening because India is continuing to grow in their cattle production realm. Uh, That Muslim minority is a huge exporter of beef into China. And uh, so these mm, tensions might eventually boil over. And what does that mean for America? I don't know. But I think it's definitely something that, uh, you know, merits our watch because, you know, these are are cattle producers, just Mm -hmm. like a lot of our listeners. And uh, they're facing challenging times over there. You know, one thing we haven't talked about yet on the podcast, speaking of cattle producers, and I'm not sure that we want to address it that much in depth, but it's it's the case going on right now in Missouri with that cattle producer. What was that, Delaney? The cattle producer out in Missouri, down in Missouri. We haven't really addressed it yet or talked about it a whole lot. No, we haven't. You have been a lot more on the the nose with that story than I have been. Do you want to, I'm sure our listeners are familiar with it. Do you want to give us an update as to where things sit today? Well, that's a little bit confusing. So we're, we're talking, of course, um, what's his first name? Garland Joseph Nelson, I believe is his full name. He goes by Joey Nelson. He was actually on Market to Market uh, probably a month or two ago for our Justice and Ag series, talking about how he had basically ran a cattle scam um, back in, I think it was 2014 or 15, gotten in trouble, went to jail, he's back out, he 
acted remorseful. You know, I'm not the judge of that. Um, but he has been arrested, I believe, in the case of the two brothers that went missing from Wisconsin. But I saw this really heart-throbbing piece today. I can't remember. It was a, a K- Kansas City news outlet had talked about how he just really had not taken care of any of the cattle that he had in his possession over the course of the past couple of years. They interviewed some neighbors who had loaned him farm ground, pasture ground, and said the cattle didn't look good. There were a bunch of them that were dead after Mm. he moved on or moved like the ones that could walk to a processing facility and the other ones were basically just left in the fields dead. Um, They found a lot of like baling twine in the innards of those animals because he didn't take the plastic wrap off of the hay bales. And so I just, I feel like we have to address it a little bit. It, it, It just, for me, is painting a really bad picture for agriculture to the mainstream media and to the mainstream people that are watching this case. Absolutely. And so this is the case of the, the I believe it's Dimel or Demel yes, brothers Dimel, from Wisconsin, yeah. who who I, I believe they've now confirmed that it was their remains found yeah. on this uh, Joey Nelson's farms. They've done business together. And yeah, yeah, you're right. It's definitely a black eye, definitely a, a terrible situation for that family from Wisconsin and a black eye for the industry. It is, unfortunately. So I'm sure there are a lot of people in ag watching it. We've gotten, I've gotten some messages and stuff on Twitter and people texting me. So I just wanted to address that. I know it's something we don't always touch on, but... Right. I mean, criminal justice is kind of outside of our purview, but it is criminal justice that pertains to the ag industry. Yes. Well, what other news do you have for us, Delaney Howell? Uh, Well, switching tracks here just a little bit, the only other piece of news I had for today was looking at feral swine. The USDA has reported... At least in 35 states, feral swine herds breaking out with a population estimated at over 6 million hogs. The reason I bring this up is, of course, African swine fever is transported or passed on from one hog to another because of these feral swine populations. And most of our listeners are in the upper Midwest, so a lot of those feral swine have been spotted in the south west southeast part of the u.s so nothing really up into the midwest yet but there is some feral hog herds that look like in north carolina which is of course a huge hog producing state here in the united states absolutely yeah feral hogs are a threat that is without a doubt they're a threat to hogs and to people because they're just angry angry critters that is all i've got on news for today though mike Fantastic. That is all I've got. We're going to be having a conversation with our good friend, the weather expert, Mr. Ed Valley. So do stay tuned. But first, let's dive into the markets. And in the markets today, we've got a little bit of red here in the grains. In the corn market, September was down seven cents at three fifty-nine even. December down six and a quarter. Closed the day at three seventy and a quarter. In soybeans, selling off after yesterday's run. The August contract was down eleven cents at eight sixty-one even. November also down eleven. Closed the day at eight seventy-eight even. Looking over at Chicago wheat, the September up one and three quarters at four seventy-three and three quarters. The December up two and a half, finishing the day at four seventy-eight and a quarter. 
Jumping over to the world of livestock, we've got mixed trade in live cattle. Finally, not limit down for the uh, first time this week. October live cattle down 75 cents at 98.50. The December up 60. Close the day at 104.55. And big strength today in feeder cattle. Again, trading under expanded limits after yesterday's limit down movement. The September contract was up $5.62.5 at 132.82.50. The October up 582.5 to finish at 133.37.50. And in lean hogs, more strength today. The October contract up $2.20 at 66.77.50. The December up $1.75, finishing the day at 164.77.50. And of course, can't forget about the dairy market. In class three milk, a little bit of green today. The August contract was up four cents at 17.64. And the September was up eight, closing the day at 17.81. Without further ado, let's kick it over to our discussion about August weather with our good friend Ed Valley from Empire Weather. Hey there, guys. Thanks for having me. And I tell you what, this has been a very interesting growing season, to say the least. We've been extremely dry. We've been extremely wet. We've been extremely cool. And we've been extremely warm. It's been it's been incredible how this season has evolved. And it's going to be one we're going to learn from for years to come. But the big thing that we need to talk about here today is the fact that we haven't really seen the amount of um, moisture that we'd like to see across portions of central Illinois, southeastern Iowa, and portions of Indiana and Ohio as well. And and if you remember, the Indiana-Ohio region and even parts of Illinois dealt with a lot of prevent plant and a lot of moisture issues early in the season that kind of either delayed or in some cases completely canceled out the planting process. And, And that's important here as we get into the middle and end of August because As we move forward, we're going to notice that there are going to be some opportunities for rain here, but, you know, we're starting to get to that time of the year where in a normal year, you know, we're focusing solely on soybeans and even those are starting to wrap up weather-wise, you know, of being important. But this year with late planted corn, we're still watching, uh, you know, some corn, um, you know, from earlier this week's report, you know, that still needs to mature and, and can still benefit from some good weather. And then obviously our soybeans too are are certainly in a position where if we continue to get some rain, it's going to be beneficial. And if we don't, obviously that's going to hurt uh, the top end here of what we could potentially produce. So again, we need to be focusing on that Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Ohio region, southeastern Iowa. And we're noticing that as we move over the next few days, we're going to see a lot of opportunity here uh, for showers and thunderstorms, especially across Iowa and Minnesota, okay? And as we move forward Friday, Saturday, uh, there are going to be areas that see a half an inch to locally as much as two inches of rain across uh, northeast Kansas, southeastern Nebraska, and into portions of Iowa, maybe far northwestern Illinois as well. However, the areas that did miss out on the heavier rains earlier this month really might not see much out of this. That's central Indiana, or excuse me, central Illinois and parts of uh, central Indiana as well. So that'll be something to watch here moving forward. So over the next week, we are watching for that opportunity for showers and thunderstorms, beneficial rains at that. But as we move forward, we are watching for some warmer weather next week uh, for most of the belt, especially south of I-80. We'll probably get back into the 90s. 
you get south of I-70 and close to the Ohio River out east, and you get basically along I-70 and portions of Kansas and Missouri out west, we're going to be in the mid to upper 90s at times, I think, here next week, peaking especially early uh, in the week. So we do still have some heat left in the tank. And again, combined with some of that lack of rainfall, I think that could be problematic for some of our soybeans, especially here in Indiana, Illinois, and parts of Ohio as well. So those are the main things we're looking at in the short term. In the longer term, we are watching for, you know, frost risk obviously is going to be on people's mind given the late progression of this crop. And I think the plains, the northern plains at that are are going to be the most susceptible here, perhaps into portions of Minnesota as we get into the month of September. But the thing is, is portions of uh, northern North Dakota and Minnesota are average first frost, frost denoting a temperature lower than 38 degrees or so, um, usually comes at the end of August, early September. Okay, so not all that uncommon, but given the late year we're having, I think it is going to be a talking point. And as we get deeper into September, I think the plains are going to have the strongest risk of below normal temperatures at any given time. So those are the areas we're going to have to really pay attention to to see if we can get an early frost. Hopefully we don't. But, you know, that's going to be the area to watch, in my opinion. Further east, can't rule it out either, only because we're... As you get deeper into the fall, historically, some of the first frosts can occur as early as late September or very early October in especially Iowa, northern Illinois and Michigan, northern Indiana and Ohio as well. And those are going to be the areas I think that if anybody's going to see something anomalously early, those are the areas that we're going to have to watch. But again, compared to areas further west, I think the Ohio Valley and eastern Midwest and Great Lakes are at a lower risk for an early frost um, compared to normal. So that's all I have for you guys. Thanks again for having me. Huge thanks to Ed there for helping us out with today's episode. But again, listeners, if you want to catch up on past episodes, maybe catch Ed talk to us again. Um, find us at our website at globalagnetwork.com slash agnewsdaily. You can also find us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Play. But if you maybe don't want to listen to an episode, just catch up with us you know, in real life. Always find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at agnewsdaily and at globalagnetwork. But with that, I'm going to let you go.